Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Resilience Podcast. I'm joined by Dr. Sven, and today we're exploring sleep. But before we jump into the content, just want to thank everyone for the feedback we've been receiving. Much appreciated. We look forward to more. I'll make sure there's an email address listed in the show notes. And if you are starting on this particular episode, number four, please do go back and start from number one. There's a reason for the, the sequence that we've decided on. So, <clears throat> Dr. Sven, today we're talking about sleep. Obviously, something close to both of our hearts, something that made a huge difference to myself as I started to embark on this resilience journey. What do you say to people who think that sleep is overrated? Yeah, sleep one, I mean, the beauty of sleep, and, and I think what can guide us as we go through this is it's become uh, much more topical. So when we when I got really interested and started working with clients on sleep, it was new, and really, we didn't think about it. We, we literally took it for granted, and I think, as you said, the default thing, sleep is overrated. In fact, it was even worse. It, there was a hero worship of someone who could get by on the five hours sleep a night, and, you know, often successful people would, would crow about their, their lack of sleep. Mm. Um, so I guess we have to be conscious of where we've come from. And we also need to be conscious of the fact that the science of sleep and sleep physiology and sleep medicine has absolutely boomed. So we know so much more today than we did 20 years ago. Uh, that's really important. Second thing that's become very clear as we study sleep more it is literally as you know top researchers and top clinics are saying now it is a catastrophe of our time mm -hmm. so you know if we were to look at things like our health issues in particular diabetes obesity heart disease cancer sleep is a major or sleep disturbance is a major cause even alzheimer's now is in the crosshairs of being you know something that is the risk of it is correlated very strongly with poor sleep. Now that's not causative, but it is something many researchers are conscious of. Uh, you know, likewise, if you look at mental health, you know, if, if, we, if we are worried about the depression, if we're worried about the anxiety, if we're worried about the attention disorders, the autism of our young people, we cannot ignore sleep. It is a major, major player. Um, so we've learned a lot more and I think, you know, maybe we go through each of these in, in, a, in an organized way, which what we've also learned is that optimal performance needs a good night's sleep. I mean, they're really simple little things like as you're a basketball fan. If you get a good night's sleep, you jump higher the next day. Your speed times are better. Your reaction times are better. But so is your emotional recognition. So is your leadership, the charisma you, you express. So I think maybe we walk, walk through this um, logically. I may just share my screen because it may help people to, to flesh this out just a, a fraction. Um, and I guess one of the ways I've tried to look at this, is it clear for you, Brad? Yes, clear. Um, is, is that it can hit, hit us at a number of levels. Remember in our first model, we talked about up or down. So for the person who says sleep is overrated, first thing to consider is, are you being hit by a downside? And how would we look at that? Well, you know, right at the bottom, mortality, cancer, heart disease, that they're all 
there. Your genes will disrupt night after night if you fail to sleep. Mm. Your health fails. You get more infection. So you want to protect yourself from COVID? Sleep well. You know, if you want to don't diet, sleep is what many studies now show in terms of managing weight gain. Mm-hmm. High blood pressure, inflammation. Likewise, you know, if we think about more the emotional level, uh, when we don't sleep, our self-care fails. We can't see what we need. Remember, we talked about up and down, and we said, you know, if you have insight, you've got a 50-50 chance of doing something constructive. If you don't see it, 4%. You lose your insight when you don't sleep, and you tend to do things that lead you into trouble. In terms of you know being connected, which is a key part of our mental, emotional, physical well-being, uh, they fail. So our ability to read others, our own expressions fail, and it's really hard to resist impulsive things. Whether it's an angry outburst at someone, whether it's tears, whether it's uh, you know flight reaction, fear, or whether it's even just overeating. And then at the at the mental area, and I think this is is so important for us, you know, as, as Often those heroic leaders who said, I don't need sleep, really need to consider the impact on their leadership. Even if you reduce your sleep by 20%, you have a measurable down score from your, your people. Mm-hmm. Right? So that whole leadership presence, charisma, impact, and trust is affected when you fail to sleep adequately. You know, clearly the, the attention disorders, the accidents, injuries, the conflicts we might have are, are key. And, you know, it, it is, as we've always known, uh, sleep is as dangerous as uh, sleep deprivation is as dangerous as being drunk. Mm. Um, you know, there's an epidemic of attention disorder, and we are largely treating that with Ritalin and other similar stimulants. Uh, the symptoms of of ADHD are exactly the same as sleep deprivation. We should probably be treating attention disorders in our young people with sleep first, drug second. So, sleep. so I guess, you know, that's, that's kind of the dark side, you know, is, is when you compromise our sleep, life fails at multiple levels and you go down. So in, in that way, it is quite clear it is a protective thing. And anyone who goes around saying, you know, you shouldn't sleep so much or it's overrated, uh, they're actually uh, dangerous, to be honest. You know, I think there's so much science to support this now, we shouldn't touch it. What is less obvious, and I think can be much more inspirational, is when you ask that question, well, what does it mean for me to go up? Uh, what is that better version of myself? Just let's, you know, have a look at this. As you and I have discussed often, you know, if you've had a really tough day, if you've taken some hits and you're feeling exhausted and, and, and all over the place, a good night's sleep is the quickest way to bounce. You know, it triggers the entire recovery system from the rebuilding of your hormones all the way through cell repair and immunity. Uh, you know, if you want to be calm and present and effective in your life, you need your sleep. Mm-hmm. You will be better each time you tick the box of what you need. You know, one of the things that, that many of us know and just came from a conversation on this is, is, you know, healthy aging. If you want to do healthy aging, what would be your first step? Well, I would suggest it should be sleep. Because so much hormonal rejuvenation, things like ADHD and growth hormone and testosterone, 
um, your whole healing process. Uh, it is, as we said, really important for positive emotional intelligence to connect with people and to influence people skillfully. It's really important to get the best of your brain. And you know, the really interesting piece is that when you compromise your sleep, your morality compromises. All right, so we lose compassion for others when we sleep deprived. When we get a good night's sleep, we care more about others. But so interesting, when you get a good night's sleep, you make better moral decisions. You can see the difference between right and wrong. So that is a very long answer, Brad, but that is, is pretty much what um, I guess uh, I, I see when we think about that very common and still common view, sleep is overrated. Incredible to think that if each of us secured a really good night's sleep, what the ripple effect might be across the world in terms of positivity, yeah. in terms of focus, in terms of calm, it makes a profound difference. Yeah, I'm with you. You know, I, I mean, something has been very conscious in my own work, particularly when we've worked with younger people. You know, we are super concerned about how people under 30 are suffering more emotional, physical, and mental illness. And there's a lot of noise about that. But I suspect the solutions actually rest on fixing sleep and fixing our last topic, which is breathing. Mm. You know, these things are essentially free. The knowledge is clear. There's very little debate on most of these. It's out there. It's available. It doesn't cost money. There's no side effect of drugs. If we put sleep together with some, some simple breathing basics, I think we could have a huge impact on the well-being of humanity. Incredible. So in the interests of being super practical, what is a good night's sleep? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think, and maybe I'll, I'll work through this in, for those who are watching on, on audio, the actual slide on it, but I, here's how I, I approach it. And we'll provide some, some resources to, to help people. The first thing that I think many of us have learned is that while there are species specific needs for humans, so we know that each species has a different sleep need. So a lion needs 22 hours, maybe, or 18 hours. And it's a lot of time, uh, whereas a giraffe, only four hours. Dolphins sleep with half a brain awake. Uh, there are many ways to cut it and dice. For human beings, we're talking about seven to eight hours per night. That's, that's the key. And nobody disagrees with that anymore. I think, though, the, the, the first point here is explore your own sleep pattern and situation. Because even though there's a general idea for, for humanity as a whole, each person's a little bit different. And I think it's, a not, it's one of those things, it's not a good idea to be too prescriptive. So we really encourage that people actually ask the question, you know, when I felt really good, how much was I sleeping? You know, when I sleep more than this, what is my experience? When I sleep less than this, what is my experience? So I think the, 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 the question of being alert, curious, and willing to customize any advice, including this, that anyone gives you to your own needs would be step one. Yeah. Absolutely. Step two is get, get enough. So whether you need seven hours, whether you need eight hours, I mean, I know from tracking for years now, 
two decades of tracking, I need about seven hours and 22 minutes. So it's just booked into my diary, right? I know when I need to be asleep within minutes and I know when, when to get up. If I go to bed too early, I tend to wake up a bit earlier. If I go to bed too late, you know, there's pressure on, on getting up at the right time. So getting that enough is kind of a, an important part and we call that the sleep phase. And that's the one that's very species specific. And probably in each one of our genetics, there's this S phase locked in. So what is your time? Find it and get it. Mm. Three, this wake up time. I mean, I, you know, I, I attended a sleep conference in, in Canada last week, virtually. And one of the speakers was uh, an expert on circadian rhythms. And it was really interesting for the first time I heard a sleep specialist actually say, getting up at a steady time and keeping your circadian clock synchronized may be more important than how much sleep you get. So I think we've got to, we've got to really get that S phase with what we call the circadian clock or the C system, your rhythm, uh, right. And the easiest way to do that is to find a time where you can most comfortably wake up consistently. So the circadian clock means we warm, active and alert through the day, then we cool, dark, quiet through the night. And there's a period where, where the clock starts, your body temperature actually warms up by a couple of degrees, you release cortisol, and you start to come to wakeness. If you can wake up at the right point in that clock each day, the entire clock becomes more coherent. There's a second way called the ultradian system, which we'll come back to, which is 90 minutes. Now, if you can wake up at the time your ultradian and circadian clocks are coming upwards together, you feel great and it's easy to enter the day. If you wake up when your circadian clock is coming up, but your ultradian is going down, mm -hmm. you're not gonna feel great. And likewise, when you're woke, woke, woken up in the deep sleep, early hours of the night, you just feel like death warmed up. You know, things do not feel right because both systems are going down. And, you know, this needs a little bit of experiment. I mean, I think, you know, I love the idea of go camping and see what happens. Yes. You know, go back to nature, see what your body is used to, see how you respond to the place you're living in. You'll find out what your, your, your circadian wake-up time should be. And then you can experiment mm. and, you know, maybe you change a little bit over winter or summer. I prefer a consistent time. I keep that time within about five, 10 minutes and I have done for 20 years. And as long as I keep that steady, I find everything else goes better. And the reason for that is your circadian clock is synchronized. Your temperature, your digestion, your hormones, your alertness, your physical performance all improve when your circadian clock synchronized very interesting okay so one individual two get enough sleep three consistent wake up time preferably with 20 minutes of blue light a walk a swim a paddle or something uh in the dawn light four prepare properly for sleep if you wake up at a consistent time you'll start to feel sleep pressure at a consistent time when you experience that sleep pressure which is adenosine in the brain you want to start preparing, all right? So to get that right, some exercise during the day is going to help you, for sure. Vigorous exercise, even more. A bright light during the day helps that sleep pressure really become conscious. And then as you relax in the evening, 
you will be more aware of that sleep pressure. If you remove your devices for at least an hour before the time you want to go to sleep, by the time you hit your bed, you are well prepared for sleep. You feel tired. The body's ready to relax. The mind is ready to drop into alpha, theta, and off into delta rhythm. Mm -hmm. So as the blue light wakes us up, so removing blue light devices, LEDs, and, and quietening down through the evening helps us go to sleep at a consistent time. I think it's always second to the wake-up time. But if you start to feel that rhythm and you can consistently have a cool-down phase before you put your head in the pillow, I think that's hugely important. In terms of feedback from thousands of people, this is probably the most important one. And it's actually linked to the devices. When people actually remove their devices, which send a lot of blue light, which you should be getting in the morning, not in the evening, they get a much better quality of sleep. And you can see it on your tracker. Mm -hmm. Five, it's very important for those of us in the Southern Hemisphere where it's warm and a bit humid at the moment. You, you, you wanna control your sleep environment a little bit. So a cool room, less than 18 degrees, dark room, quiet room, and particularly when it's humid, if you can get the, the humidity of your room down, you will sleep better. Mm. Right? So that is always important reason to think about, you know, how do you ventilate your room? What sort of curtains do you use? Get it right for you and your, your partner. Then it gets a little bit more tricky. And I think the point six was to call sleep quality. So remember, we talked about the circadian rhythm and the ultradian rhythm. Yes. Sleep quality means, am I getting enough deep sleep in the first half of the night and enough dreaming sleep in the second half? So roughly, we have shallow sleep for 50% of the time, deep sleep for about 25% of the time, first part of the night, and REM or dreaming sleep in the second part of the night. The more complete that, you know, 25, 50, 25 is, the better you wake up. Now, the problem is for most of us, when we fall asleep, we lose consciousness. So we have no idea. Some may remember some <laughs> dreams, but you don't actually know, was I in deep sleep? Was I shallow? Was I dreaming? And I think that's where tracking could really help. Now, I'm a great fan of this. I don't think one wants to be obsessive about tracking, but I think because in sleep, we're actually unconscious most of the time. It really makes sense to wake up in the morning and have a look at your device and see what happened yeah. and even if it's 10 days two weeks of tracking you will learn so much about your own sleep need sleep patterns optimal wake-up time optimal go to sleep time it's gold all right it may just be that you do that for two weeks you think okay well, i'll make this adjustment and then you lock it in all right the 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 key to the deep sleep is the cool down phase and exercise during the day and obviously to be relaxed. Um, deep sleep is the anti-aging piece. That's when you're releasing all your hormones. Um, that's when your immune system is rebuilding, your brain cells are rebuilding, your muscle is rebuilding. The brain is really quiet in deep sleep. The dreaming sleep is a little bit more subtle. So we've always known that dreaming sleep is linked to memory. Um, if you corrupt your dreaming sleep, you can lose 50% of your memory of the previous day. 
really important to be careful of that. So memory is key in dreaming sleep. We've also known that some of your emotional intelligence is key to dreaming sleep. Thirdly, we've discovered that uh, emotional trauma, and this came up in the workshop last week, is, is resolved with dreaming sleep. So let's say you had a really bad day, you got into trouble, you upset someone, you're feeling really sad or angry about something. During dream sleep, your brain heals that emotional disruption. And again, that links to what we said about um, mental illness. You know? Now, if you think about a typical teenager going to bed too late on a device, being woken up to go to school, what's getting crushed is their dreaming sleep. So one wonders how well we're helping their memory and learning, while how well we're managing their emotional trauma. Um, and then the fourth part of dreaming sleep is creativity. So in dreaming sleep, if you're working on a challenge, it is there that your brain solves the problem. So much of that intuition, much of that creative aha moment is actually sourced in your REM sleep. So you want to protect it like crazy. Makes sense. Uh, those are the big ones. And then, you know, if we're going to run through a, a couple more, you know, something we're playing with and is becoming a bit more popular is stopping mouth breathing. Yep. That's really interesting. I'm show, you know, my wife and I were talking about this this morning, you know, so we asked the question, is it possible that since we've been taping our mouths through the night that we're imagining the benefits? Well, you always could be careful of placebo. You know, people are selling us all kinds of nonsense. Anyway, so we have trialed this now for nearly a month. So, you know, just to make it practical, so this can make a big difference. You know, if you've got a sensitive skin, I'll just grab something like a micropore tape. All you need is a little piece like that. Um, and you simply stick it in your top lip, pull your, your chin up and forward and go to sleep. What you've done is you've forced yourself to breathe through your nose. So what was our experience? What is the experience of people I'm sharing this with? It's very consistent. Firstly, they're waking up much less through the night. Consistent, everyone has said that. Secondly, particularly for those of us who are a little older, we're not going to the toilet as much. So it's quite normal from the age of 45 to need to get up and go to the toilet. And you know, maybe hit 60, could be two times per night. This is considered normal. When you tape yourself, you find yourself sleeping right through the night. Mm -hmm. How is that possible? Well, the logic is, and the science is beginning to frame up here, when you go into deep sleep, you not only release growth hormone and testosterone, but you release ADH or anti-diuretic hormone. It stops your kidneys. It's a normal thing at night if you're having a normal deep sleep. But because our mouths and jaws have become so weak and our throat so soft, Many of us, as soon as we fall into deep sleep, we go and we breathe through our mouth. It wakes you up and it stops the production of ADH. So your kidneys switch on again. You know, and then the, the tertiary benefit, and this won't be true for everyone, though, is when you breathe through your nose, your, your nasal passages improve markedly. You can see this in microscopy, when you put a camera up the nose, you can see it in the ultrasounds and the CT scans of the nasal passages. I think that mouth breathing is a big one. I think mm. for lots of young people today, that's actually an epidemic problem that would have many, many helpful effects. And uh, it's worth experimenting. I mean, what's the cost? 
It's nothing. It takes yeah. you about three seconds. Uh, I actually need a stronger tape, so I use this <laughs> stuff. Um, and of course, you just got to be careful you remove it in the morning. <laughs> you know, and that, so that, that's seven, the mouth breathing. I mean, eight would be, um, some people take a very strong view in this, but it's, it's quite clear. Alcohol and sleeping tablets disrupt your dreaming sleep. Yes. Disrupt your memory, disrupt your creativity, disrupt your emotional recovery. Alcohol is not the answer. You know, does that mean we're advising people not to drink at all? Of course not. It's probably a good idea. All evidence points in that direction at the moment. But maybe the key is to have a glass of wine or something early in the evening and to make sure that uh, if you do have sleep problems, try everything before you use sleeping tablets. Second part of that one, perhaps try melatonin. Mm -hmm. Almost all the sleep specialists I have been studying and talking to, uh, they're all recommending melatonin as a safe uh, sleep synchrony agent. So don't think that melatonin will put you to sleep like a sleeping tablet. It doesn't do that. But what it does do is it helps you release melatonin, which helps you get into that cool, dark, quiet phase where dreaming mm. sleep kicks off. It's more of a simple. And I think, you know, simple one, sleep debt, take an afternoon nap. You know, I had a chat with the bank yesterday. Uh, someone suggested power naps and, you know, picked it up as a question because many people sort of boo-hooed and laughed at, at it. The truth is in high-performing organizations or teams or military, uh, power naps are absolutely compulsory. We know that they fix and resolve sleep debt and two, they, they stimulate performance. So if you could build a culture or a habit of a quick afternoon after lunch nap, that is powerful. And then the last point, and I think, you know, maybe we will refer this to, to people or maybe pick it up on a different topic. Uh, don't forget that for many people, the sleep problem has got nothing to do with the physiology. What's happened is we've got a habit of monkey mind. The moment the lights go out and we're in bed, whether it's before you fall asleep or waking up at two in the morning, suddenly the mind starts to travel. And it worries about things or it remembers something bad that happened and then it gets sad or angry and round and round the mind goes. Now, of course, when the mind does that, you're going to generate fear, you're going to generate anger, you're going to generate sadness and resentment. It'll absolutely wreck your sleep. So for many people, the starting point may be, how do I learn to quieten my mind at night? To start developing a habit of not thinking at night, which you could call this a meditation you know, of maybe concentrating on relaxation, concentrating in your breathing, just being present to the moment. Even if you don't have a problem there, I think that practice can really give you a much better quality sleep. I do that religiously. I have been doing that 15 years. Always take a moment, even if I'm asleep within three breaths, to just, just bring the mind to a quiet, peaceful place. And really, Brad, that, that is it. You know, those are 10 commandments, if you like, of sleep. Mm. Simple thing, totally natural thing. Go yeah. camping, it all solves itself in almost every case. And isn't it interesting how we can find ourselves on a downward spiral by 
for example, experiencing some challenges in my everyday life, maybe some conflict. So in order to relax, uh, to calm down, drink some wine, have a sleeping pill, you don't achieve the desired amount of REM sleep. And as a result, you're unable to focus the next day. You haven't kind of consolidated yeah. your memories and you're less able to cope. Yeah. So you find yourself on that downward spiral. And of course, then you become more reliable on just a little bit more alcohol or yeah. a little bit stronger dose of sleeping tablet. You're absolutely right. You know, this is our big challenge as humans, isn't it? We, we discount the long term. You know, we take now mm. what we feel like we need now and we kind of find it very difficult to factor in those long-term costs, which as you say, can become a real downward yeah. spiral. So I, you know, I started saying, I used the word catastrophe. I, I, I think that is true. I think sleep in modern human society is, is, a, is a catastrophe. You know, adults are getting an hour less and it's massively disturbed. Our, our teenagers are getting approximately two hours less than they need. Yeah. And it's really badly disrupted by technology. You know, such a simple thing. That's why I think we, we really need to focus like we did with the breathing, the sleep. These could be human game changers. And, you know, let's sort of wrap it up and think, you know, so let's uh, run a business like a team yesterday, you know, 25 entrepreneurs. They're all employing 15 to 50 people and more. Um you might ask the cost, the question for an entrepreneur, what's the cost of sleep disturbance to your business? It's estimated currently somewhere between $1,400 and $2,500 per person per year. That's huge, right? So if you could even 30% improve sleep, that is a massive $800 back to your business per person per year. You've got 10 people, that's 8,000. You've got 100 people, that's 80,000. It's meaningful money. And uh, that, that's something I think more and more businesses are starting to understand. Sleep disturbance has a cost and good sleep has huge benefits to us. Mm, I love it. So for people out there wanting to get started and secure a good night's sleep, insight, maybe experiment with tracking for 10 days or so. If personally, I find that to be super valuable in that you can look at which factors I changed over the course of the day. Did I go to bed a little earlier, less blue light exposure? Did I wake up at dawn? And you find out what really works for you. And then being quite playful with it as well, but not adding to your anxiety. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's very important. I think that that whole playful idea is key because sleep is serious, you know, and we've made that point today. And if you're looking at your sleep track and it's saying, oh, I'm only getting four nights sleep and I'm getting none of this and none of that, it can all get a bit scary. So, you know, we're all fine, right? We're all just coping and, and we're very resilient human beings. But, you know, playfulness is a great piece of advice. It, be playful. Yeah. yeah. Learn. And test out and work out what you need. And little wins over time can add up to real life value. I think that's a great episode, some really important information that you know, sometimes we take sleep for granted or we say, oh, sleep's overrated, but prioritizing it can have a profound impact on our lives and on our connection and potentially on, on the world if we all made this a priority. 
Not potentially. I think absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. I mean, everyone, I hope everyone is listening to this, you know, take this to heart, think mm. through carefully what it means to you and maybe share this. You know, if there's one that could be simply shared with your friends, your loved ones, family, this thing in sleep is really important. Let's make sure we, we share this with people as well, Brad. You know, we have a brochure which we will provide a direct link to on the, within the show notes. So take a look, see if it makes sense to you, share it with someone you care about. Uh, let's, let's make sleep a priority, just like posture and breathing. We look forward to catching up with you next week. And thanks so much for joining. We will include an email address in the show notes. So if you have any specific feedback or would like to join us on one of our forthcoming live sessions, we, we look forward to seeing you there. Fantastic. Thank you, Brad. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank Sleep. you all. Sleep tight.